<clears throat> in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And as you'll see in a moment, I appreciate what it says in the message as well. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for living. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you get. Grab the initiative and do it for them. Last week, our week before Thanksgiving lesson highlighted an ancient understanding, and it was this. Thankfulness and gratitude are best expressed in action. In history and in scripture and in the writings of our saints and sages through the years, even in our own national life, looking at Lincoln's address last week, we come to learn that religion is grace, ethics is gratitude. We reorient our vision to see the blessing of this divine life cycle into which we awaken, and we express our gratitude at seeing that by participating in that life cycle and by doing good. Religion is grace. At the core of our human experience, there is an essential process. Last week, I called it the divine life cycle. It's akin to the water cycle, which is evaporation and condensation and runoff and repeat. It is that process, and it blesses us. In the same way that we drink in the nourishment of the water and we are refreshed by it. In the same way that we participate in this process by being the recipients of it. There is a, a, a divine life cycle that is about transformation and healing and it is about the redemptive process that was highlighted for us in the teachings and the person of Jesus that we follow. And it is about awakening to that cycle by simply desiring and paying attention, we've said, and we participate in that just-is-reality. It's not something that we earn, and it's not something that we dis-earn. It is something that just is. It is gift. It is grace. A charism is the ancient word for it. And religion is simply awakening to this reality that exists in and around all of us. Religion is the grace of recognizing that the essential nature of the divine is love. Religion is simply seeing that grace and mercy and forgiveness and being valued and being cherished, these are just the nature of the highest order of things. God is love. Religion is grace. And, we said, religion is not a provisional kind of thing. It's not if you do a bad thing, God will punish you kind of thing. And it's not if you do a good thing, God will favor you kind of thing. It's just an is thing. It's reality the way reality is. God is love and can no more be not love than the sun can be not shine. It is simply the nature of things. And religion is awakening to that acknowledgement and recognition. <clears throat> religion is coming to eyes that see reality that is bigger than us. 
Religion is the awe that overtakes us when we see this cycle in which we are participants. It is savoring the fundamental goodness of that reality. It is the inner transformation of awakening from our deadened state to this alive state. It is changed behavior that happens when we begin to see through new eyes. Religion is gift. Religion is grace. And ethics, we said, is gratitude. Ethical behavior, living a moral life, being people of goodness, doing good. This is just the natural expression of the seeing. When our eyes are awakened to see the nature of things, to see the nature of this divine cycle that is always moving and always going on in and around us, It is the natural response for us to have a swelling of gratitude the same way that we do when we stand at the edge of the shore and we see the sun set over the ocean or when we stand on a rocky outcrop and we see miles and miles of trees in the Smoky Mountains. We savor reality as reality is. And we awaken to the divine life and we savor it. And that is our gratitude. And when we jump into this life cycle, having seen it, then we begin to live lives that are rooted in grace because this life cycle is grace. We live lives that are mercy and we live lives that are forgiveness and value and worth. We live in these realities because they are the nature of ultimacy, of good, of heaven, these things are what is there for us, and we simply step into them. Religion is grace. Ethics is our response. It is our gratitude response. Love God with all your heart, the scriptures say. Love truth with all your heart. Love this divine cycle with all of your heart. Love wisdom with all your heart. Love transformation and redemption that is part of this process with all your heart. Wrap yourself in divine life. Be immersed in it. See your place in this divine love dynamic and see yourself not having to clamor or strive or strain to be validated, but instead see yourself as a loved and cherished part of this cycle, honored, intrinsically precious, intrinsically worthy. And the natural outflow of seeing this light is you will love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, the texts say, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. Step into this divine life cycle and the natural outflow will be behaviors of goodness. You can put it more succinctly in the teachings of Jesus in the text that we read today. When you are participating in the divine life cycle, you will do for others what you would want them to do for you. When someone you know screws up badly, perhaps, imagine if you were that person and if you had screwed up, because there's a good chance that you have done that from time to time. If that happens, what would you want? Well, you would want a balance. You would want a balance of being challenged in your screw-up, of being forgiven in your screw-up. You would want both of those. You would want people to see you as more than your failure, 
you would want people to see you as more than your shortcoming. You would want that, and so seize the initiative when you see someone behaving badly and go toward them and offer them that same balance. Or someone does something worthy of your judgment. What would you want done if you had done something worthy of someone's judgment? You would want someone to do the hard work of listening to you and understanding what's going on inside of you. You would want them to understand why it is that you do what you do. You would want them to figure out what your thinking has been and what causes your action or what causes your words, what hurt in your heart causes that to happen. And then you would again want that loving balance between understanding and judging. You would want them to hold back on hate-filled emails because you don't like to receive hate-filled emails. You do not like to be tongue-lashed with angry words, so don't lash out with angry words. You don't like to be demeaned, so don't demean. You don't like to be shut down, so don't shut people down. You don't like to be ignored, so don't ignore people. You don't like to feel like an outsider, so take the initiative and go after someone who does feel like an outsider and make them feel included. This, we saw last week, is the highest form of gratitude expression. Turn your observance of that which is born of the divine into an action that serves another. Religion is seeing the gift of the divine life cycle and gratitude is the response and gratitude becomes an action. I read a story in a book a few years ago. The book is called A Shattered Lantern by Ronald Rollheiser. It's a great book and he's a great author. You should read what he writes. It was a story of uh, some nuns, <clears throat> two of them who lived together in a convent that was a service-oriented order. And this young novice joined the convent to participate in a life of service to the world. And the older nun began to develop a deep motherly feeling toward this young woman. And she sensed as some time went by that the young woman was not making connections in the community and that she felt somehow uh, distanced and was beginning to feel disenfranchised by the community. And it began to affect this young woman's sense of worth. If I'm not being accepted by this community of women, it makes me wonder if I'm accept-worthy. It makes me wonder if I am of value on the earth. It makes me wonder if I am of value of, in service. It makes me wonder about my call. It makes me wonder whether I have something to give. And she began to doubt these things. And she began to doubt God and to doubt her mission of service in the order. And seeing this, the older nun began to pray for her. And she made it part of her daily practice of praying for this young woman every day. And she prayed along these lines. God, I pray that you would help this young woman see her value and see how loved she is. And Lord, I pray that you would help this young woman feel connected and give her insights into her doubts about herself and about you and about the life of service. And after a while, the young nun 
left the community and she left the ministry and she went out doubting her own worth and in her departure she doubted God and she left a life of service. And When that happened, the older nun was deeply upset that this young woman would have come to this very hurtful end deeply bothered her and she wondered why God had not answered her prayers and she was upset that this young girl had not found the life in the community that she had. And yet, this older nun had never spoken to the young nun about her concerns. She had never communicated to her how deeply she appreciated her. She had never highlighted the gift that was so evident from her eyes to see in this young woman that this young woman could clearly not see in her own life. She never pointed out what she could so clearly see that the young woman could not. The older nun had prayed, but she had done so divorced from a sense of the divine life cycle. She had assumed that God was in a faraway place, and it was hers to pray to God in that faraway place and ask a God to come from that faraway place and intervene in the life of this young woman. And she assumed that the divine life cycle awarded those who were virtuous and those who did, did good things and those who prayed the right kinds of prayers and perhaps lived lives of service as nuns do. What she didn't realize was that the divine cycle simply is. And in it is embedded belonging. That belonging and worth and giftedness are simply part of this life cycle. What she didn't realize is that all we have to do to experience this is to step into it. To get on board with the process that just is. But she didn't do that. Instead, she waited for the God outside of herself to intervene. And she never put skin to our prayer, or to her prayer. She never participated in the seeing, the gratitude, and the expression of that gratitude in action. She never actualized the divine thing in her vision. She never enacted the divine purpose in the young woman's life. She asked the God out there when in fact... God was always in her, poised to redeem. Now, Paul taught us about this using a term. The term that he used is the body of Christ. The body of the divine exists in our neighborhoods because you exist in our neighborhoods. The body of the divine exists on our jobs because you exist on the job. The body of Christ, the body of the divine, exists in your family because you exist in your family. And what this means is that in a very real way, you are the primary means by which the divine, the divine life cycle is perpetrated and carried out. When our religion is gift, and it simply is, and it is moving and functioning, when we see it and jump in with it, when we see ourselves as an integral part of it, when the environment 
of body of Christ living is in play, the cycle doesn't just work in us, the cycle works through us. We become parts of it. And when we don't, the cycle simply works elsewhere. So I want to put this very familiar saying of Jesus into context by saying it this way. The golden rule is very interconnected with this idea of religion is grace, ethics is gratitude. Religion is gift. And seeing that awakens us and we participate in it This is first-level response when we do what we did this morning. We come and we say, I am grateful for this. I am grateful that I awakened in bodies that heal themselves. I am grateful that I'm finding my way into home creating. And I begin to see the things that are part of this natural cycle, and I am stepping in them. But then the response goes a step further and says, now in response to what I have seen of goodness, now I step in and become a participant. When we do that, one of the ways that it works out is that we grab the initiative and we go and we find what we would want done, and we do that. Now, Jesus didn't invent the golden rule. He just kind of reinvented it. It already existed in a state before he spoke that way uh, for centuries. As a matter of fact, it had been called the silver rule. A contemporary of Jesus, Rabbi Hillel, restated it this way as a contemporary of Jesus, but it had been around even before him. He said, that which is unpleasant to you, do not do to your neighbor. That's the whole law, and the rest is exposition, he said. That which is unpleasant to you, don't do that to your neighbor. Now, the silver rule states the golden rule in the negative. Don't do bad things. Do no harm. The motto of the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. Don't do evil, don't do bad stuff. And this is a form of disengagement from bad things. This is very, very good. You ought to do that. Disengage from acts of harm. We all ought to do that. But that isn't what Jesus taught. Jesus expanded the concept by putting it into the positive. He put the onus of initiative on you and on me. Take initiative to get out there and do things that you would want done. This is what ethics is gratitude means. Be deliberate. Be intentional. Be purposeful in engaging of your care for the world in which we live. Yes, as followers of Jesus, we are certainly to do no harm, not to ourselves, not to others, not to our society, not to the earth. But to be Christian is more than avoiding evil. It is acknowledging this cycle that exists and stepping into it and with purposed intent, making the earth a better place. It is actively and intentionally doing good. It is being salt to preserve goodness. It is being light to bring uh, goodness to the dark. It is taking the initiative. It is doing good. When we catch the glimpses of the divine reality, when we are awakened to love and to redemption and to transformation, When our religion has its way in us, we do not find ourselves hiding away. We find ourselves swelling with hearts of gratitude. We find ourselves having a very similar response 
to what we do when we see the grand vistas of nature that I just mentioned. We find ourselves not hiding our light under a bushel, as Jesus said. We don't avoid the world and just make sure that we don't harm anything. No, the fruit of following Jesus is constructive engagement. In a generosity chat some time ago, I read a quote to you from Charles Wesley who said this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, as long as ever you can. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, as long as ever you can. When we follow Jesus, it bears more than simply the fruit of avoiding evil. It awakens us to the power of doing good to all people. Many of us have come from the Protestant tradition, and if you have come from that tradition, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about your tradition. You were the inheritor of a grand system of thought, and part of that system of thought is, has become known through the years as the five solas. Sola is Latin, it means only. And so the five solas are sola scriptura, sola fide, sola Christus, sola deo gloria, which means scripture alone, faith alone, Christ alone, the glory of God alone. And then the one I want to talk about today is sola gratia, or only grace, only by grace. Protestants were incensed. That's why they threw themselves a reformation. <laughs> they were really upset. And one of the things that most upset them was the practice of selling indulgences as a way to get to God. Now, if you're not familiar, an indulgence was a way that you could pay for your sin with a little bit of money. They needed to build these cathedrals. People were sinning. Hey, it seems like a match made in heaven. We'll get them to pay. We'll build the cathedral. All's good. <laughs> And Protestants were really upset about that. And they were particularly upset by the fact that you could pay in advance. They didn't like that a bit. <laughs> so Friday afternoon, you could buy your indulgence and then go out and live like hell on Friday night. <laughs> anyway, this idea so upset the protesters that they began to protest. And they became protestants. And the idea that membership in the club, in this case the church club, would help people find their way to God, bothered them so much that not only did they throw a reformation, but they also enshrined a doctrine to make sure it would never happen again. And that doctrine was sola gratia, only by grace. You do not find your way to God by anything you can do or not do. You do not find your way to God by anything you can buy or not buy. It is a gift. It is grace given to anyone who seeks. The nature of God is love, is mercy, is grace. And seeing that reality, this is how we find our way to God. This is how we are awakened to the divine. This is our religion. Only by God's nature being love, God's nature being grace. So we turn it into a, something of a battle cry. Sola gratia which means we're not like you bad people, church. We're different than you. We believe in grace. And when we countered that dirty little practice of selling God and enshrined it as a doctrine, we made a little bit of trouble for ourselves. 
What about good works? What about doing good? Now, things were really in tumult and upheaval, and there was a strong emotional visceral reaction, and it was a good emotional visceral reaction, but we didn't consider the long-term effects of making it only by grace. Because what we begin to say through the years was, the only way you're going to find God is through grace. The only way you're going to have a good life is through grace. The only way that you're going to make it to heaven is through grace. The only sola became the part that we began to emphasize. And so what happened is what happens so often in human experience The church was out of balance. The Protestants recognized that it was out of balance, and so they swung from out of balance, not to balance, but from out of balance to counterbalance. And sure enough, we were over here saying it is only by grace, and we inadvertently, unintentionally set up a false construct. Now, what we said is, belief is it. That's all there is. If you believe in the grace of God, that's all you need. If you believe in God's goodness, if you believe in God's love, that's all you need. If you get your belief right, if you get your faith right, if if you put your faith in God's grace, that's all you need. And we read Romans and we heard all about justification through faith and we began to emphasize that so much that it caricatured in its expansion and that's all the religion you really need is to get your belief right. And the problem with that is it leaves out the whole idea of doing good, which, if you read the Bible, is also in there. In our reactionary pendulum swinging, we only told part of the story. Sure, doing good is important, we said, if you've got some energy left over. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is getting your belief right. If you have to bottom line it because you've got limited resources, you let the good works go and you get the belief right. Now, we wouldn't say that good works are unnecessary because, goodness sakes, we've read the Bible, we know what it says. We're just saying that they're of slightly lesser concern than getting our belief right. And so, through the years, seeing the downside of this trap that we fell into, some Protestant theologians begin to talk about this process and call that dynamic cheap Grace. You might have heard that term. Cheap grace is the separating out of works from religion. It is seeing God's grace, seeing God's love, seeing this dynamic that just is of the divine life cycle of transformation and process, but somehow not jumping into it and not participating as an integral part of it. So we reduce our religion to getting people to pray the prayer that acknowledges that they have seen. We reduce our religion to getting people to give assent to the belief system that says this, and we say, that's good enough. Now go to church and read your Bible and pray every day, and you're good. You just wait until you go to heaven now. And that's a very different proposition than seeing the divine life cycle and jumping in as an integrated part of that cycle. So Wesley, one of our church leaders in the Protestant tradition, challenged this, and he called faith without works the grand pest of Christianity. 
Sure, he said, we are saved by grace. Sure, seeing the divine life cycle, this is really important. It's what wakes us up. Sure, it does. That's how this thing works. But when we do see it, what we also see is that we are an integrated part of it. And that changes everything. And so we begin to realize that bettering the earth is as much a part of us as growing hair or eating food. It is part of this natural state into which we awakened. Religion is grace. Yes, that's true. But ethics is the natural response to seeing. It is gratitude. Any tree has both roots and leaves. Grace may be the roots, but works is the leaves. And you can't divide the two and still have a tree. A tree doesn't exist without both. And so the testimony of our tradition and the testimony of our nation, the Lincoln we saw last week, and the testimony of our tradition's leaders like Thomas Erskine that we saw last week, religion is grace, religion is gift, religion is the divine life cycle of transformation and redemption. It is awakening to that process and engaging it and being a part of it, an integral part of it. Yes, it is about seeing. And yes, it is about responding in gratitude. We are glad that love is the nature of things. We are thankful that God is good and I am safe. We are grateful that redemption is the nature of being, not reserved for a special elect group of individuals, but for anyone who sees and steps in, always here, always available for all of us. Yes, it is about seeing. Seeing that the divine life cycle is as much a part of us as we are a part of it. And our response of gratitude is to step into that process and do the stuff. The earth bettering stuff. The people healing stuff. The compassion giving stuff. Stuff that we would want done to us. Stuff that when we see flaws, we move toward instead of away. When we see shortcomings, we step in. We don't step out. This is the divine life cycle, and it is in you, and it is in me. And it calls each of us, and it draws each of us, and it sets before us life and love and healing and community and belonging-making It is ours to step into. It is in us. And we are in it. And so in this season, I'm encouraging you to see because this is your religion. And stirring up intentional gratitude is one of the ways that we see. We see what exists in this dynamic of which we are part And in this season, I'm encouraging you to stir up an intentionality about stepping into that process through the practice of gratitude. Seeing that love always is and being grateful. Seeing that wisdom always is and being grateful for the moments when you glimpse it. Seeing that redemption always is and being grateful for the times when you see it in play. And to express that gratitude in league with the wisdom of our saints and sages who have said, so do something. You were part of this. This is part of you. 
do something. Do something good. Do something kind. Do something loving. Do something that betters the earth. And as we said last week, the food bank's a good place to start. So Spirit of God, may we be people of our religion. People of Jesus' religion. People who see the grace and who live the grace. People who see the goodness and live the goodness. People who see the redemption and live the redemption. And may we become agents of that goodness as an expression of our religion. Be it so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.